welcome to Transform Your Workplace. I'm Brandon Laws, your host. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. I'm glad you can join us. We've had a lot of great guests on recently, a lot of great topics, uh, really excited about the upcoming lineup of guests. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but just make sure that you hit subscribe. If you're a first-time listener, definitely hit subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever it may be. Definitely check us out. Every Tuesday, we have a new episode, and I'm considering releasing some short episodes, like maybe on Thursdays or Fridays, something like that, leading into the weekend. So maybe reach out to me on LinkedIn and let me know if you're interested in that. That would mean two episodes a week, one kind of a longer interview style, and maybe one would be like monologue, me by myself. So let me know if you're interested in that, and then I'll consider that. So today, I had a conversation with Karen Millsap. If you've been a longtime listener, you will remember that she came on and, and provided insight to her background, her incredible story, heartbreaking story, where she lost her husband to a murder and went through grief and really lifted herself up out of that. And she talked about the steps that she took to get out of that and then has since coached people through griefs and other situations. Everybody's going through something. And so I think that was kind of the message that she had brought to other people. So practicing empathy and compassion for other people. In today's episode, she's really focused on mindset and growth and all that. So among many things, we talked about her model called Stop and Shift. And I'm going to let her talk about that because we dive deep into that and other things that we can do to grow professionally and to help our people. Because a lot of us who are listening are either HR professionals or small business leaders. So inevitably, you're supporting other people. And Karen provides so many great tips and tools in this episode that you are going to be able to take back to your people in your organization and help them. So my action item for you, if you get all the way through the episode and you love the content, I want you to go to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Let us know what you thought about Karen, how you liked the episode, all those things. And even better yet, if you could share it on LinkedIn with your network, that'd be amazing. Just trying to spread the word about this podcast and the message. Again, we're out to transform the workplace. I wholeheartedly mean that. That is the name of our show and that is what we're trying to do. Really appreciate the support. Oh, one more thing. Make sure to go follow Karen Millsap on Instagram. I'm telling you, if you're on Instagram, she is full of positivity. She's somebody that you need to pay attention to. I think you're going to start your mornings off great by seeing some of the things that she's putting out versus starting your day with like the negative news and all those sort of things. There's enough negative stuff in the world. Let's focus on some positive things. Karen has one of those positive channels. Follow her. Enjoy today's episode. So glad you can join us. Karen, it is so great to have you on the podcast. So glad to have you back. I am happy to be back. That's what I was about to say. It's happy to be back again. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So you've been on the podcast before. You shared your, you know, it's a hard story. It's an incredible story. Your journey has been fantastic. And I want to encourage people to go back and listen to that. I'll put the link in the show notes, of course. But your background, you did a ton of work in grief. And since then, you've really shifted what your focus is on. So let's talk about you today and where you're at. So, you know, one thing that I noticed from your website is 
you stated that at some point you realize that you have to put on your oxygen mask first. And I hear that all the time. We hear it on the airline before <laughs> flying. What happened to make you realize that you needed to change something within yourself first before you can help other people? That's a really good question, actually. So when I first started off as an entrepreneur, because my experience with grief was so crazy and extreme and just overwhelming, I felt like I needed to put on this like superhero cape and just help everybody cure grief. But I will also say that part of that was influenced by the way people were tied to my story or felt inspired by my story. So it was such a focus on grief. And during that time, I was still healing. You know, I started building my business maybe a year and a half after my husband died, close to two years, which is still really early on in the healing journey, as I'm sure you could imagine. And so when I started to build the different resources, when I started to give talks, as I was, you know, engaging with companies, my sole focus was to really make grief less awkward. But because I was on that healing journey at the same time I was starting off building my business, I don't think I had all of the tools that I needed to be where I am today, which, by the way, growth is an amazing journey. (laughs) You get to evolve and it's not that you are leaving your previous passions or, you know, knowledge behind. It's just elevated. Right. And so I'm taking that experience from grief. But what feels more authentic to me is growth. It's really about, you know, the healing and what you do to heal. And then as I started to really feel the weight of being an entrepreneur, I was thinking to myself, gosh, some of the tools that I was using to get through grief are helping me through the stressors of being a business owner. Absolutely. And so I think that it was around maybe the fifth year after my husband died that I decided, you know what, my heart will always be to help people who are grieving. But the power of the resources and the tools that I have, and really that made an impact on my life, that is what I want to share with the world because it will help people who are not just grieving, but people who are stressed and who are overwhelmed and who are, you know, anything. I mean, I use it with parenting and I use it with, you know, business decisions. It's really about having a healthy mindset. (laughs) For sure, parenting. I can relate to that. (laughs) Well, you know, that's part of the reason I wanted you back on was that you say this, and I hear this a lot in terms of empathy, is everybody's going through something. And I think when you talk about leadership and even, you know, audience that we have is a lot of HR professionals and business leaders, they're providing resources to the people so that they can show up as themselves, fully ready to work, be productive, be happy and healthy. And I think if like they're going through something and they don't get help, they either can't help themselves or they just don't know where to start. I think that's why like what you're doing is so vastly important. And I just want to make sure that people are aware of what's out there. Is that kind of with the realization Mm -hmm. you came to as well? Yeah, for sure. And just, you know, and one thing that sticks out right there in that sentence is like, everybody is going through something Mm -hmm. true, but that does not mean that it is just one major event that they're going through. They could be going through something like just trying to manage their workload and feeling overwhelmed or... They could be going through something that is not present, but they're working through it mentally or emotionally. And it's happened in the past, but it's coming up now. It's surfacing now, right? So yes, everybody's going through something, but don't just think that it's one thing. It's literally life. (laughs) It's life overwhelm. 
and it happens, but there are so many different ways that we can manage that so it doesn't escalate to, you know, a serious mental health issue or a physical breakdown or complete burnout. When it comes to mindset and your story, your path to where you are today, what did you learn about yourself and that growth? Mm, yeah. So I talk about this often because it really was a pivotal point in my story. And it's when my son came into the room one day and I'd been laying in bed for a couple of days and he said, mommy, are you going to get up today? Mm -hmm. And so it was a turning point for many reasons. But one is because I realized that I was focusing on the story that I was telling in my mind, which in that moment was I lost my husband. I am, you know, failing at life. I cannot get myself together for my son. I can't control my emotions. I mean, I was focusing on everything that was a part of the struggle. Now, mind you, that's real. But if you focus on that, that's all you're going to see. And you're going to weigh yourself down even more. So I had to stop looking at that and shift my focus to what was going to help me be positive and productive and literally move in the direction of life, which is forward. So by shifting my mindset, and it started in that moment. But by shifting my mindset, that's how I started to be more open to the healthy habits that I needed to establish. That's how I started to cultivate positive energy in my life again. That's how I started to make better decisions and even learning to have a healthier relationship with my emotions where they weren't controlling me, but I could honor them and then flow with life instead of resisting that. But all of that starts with your mindset, literally all of your actions, all of your words, your behavior, everything starts with a thought. And so when I shifted what I was focusing on, that's what helped me to start creating those healthy habits. I love that idea, the stop, the shift. Part of me, I think, you know, with the stop, it's almost a reflection of like where your mind is at. Like you're so in it, you're grieving, you're struggling, you know, for somebody who's so stressed out and they're inundated in their work and just cannot lift themselves out of it. It's almost like reflecting on how you're feeling in the moment, but also I think to your point is really silencing those negative thoughts that are eating away at you, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And so STOP stands for silence thoughts on purpose. I mean, we could pull so much out of that, but yes, exactly what you're saying. It starts with awareness, right? You have to be aware of the thoughts that are running through your mind. And so one way for people to do that, you know, I love to teach, so I'm going to throw something out there for your audience. <laughs> so one way for you to start strengthening your awareness is to simply do this. I'm going to ask you to participate, Brandon. Okay, so, I'm in. <laughs> in your mind, say hello. Now, say it again. Now, scream it. <laughs> you can hear that, oh my right? gosh, yeah. That's so funny, yeah. You can totally note that's the same way that you need to notice your thoughts. Now, what happens is we lose that moment between our thoughts and our reaction because we're wired to just go, 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 right? But if you could just, and I actually learned this concept in this wonderful book, The Untethered Soul, if you could fall book, behind that great energy. It's such a great book. Such a good book. Yeah. Put that in the show notes. <laughs> but so if you could fall behind the energy that's driving that emotions, it's going to allow you to see your thoughts. And the same way you just heard hello is the same way that you can separate yourself from the thought so that you can then choose your reaction, choose your words, choose how you show up. 
But so often we are suppressing our thoughts and just letting it, you know, manifest into an emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. But if you become more aware of your thoughts, then you can choose how you're going to respond. Now, again, the silence thoughts on purpose, when you are silencing them, you have to remember that last part, it's on purpose. It is your choice. That is your power. You can see them and then you can choose to start to silence them. Can I tell you something weird about that exercise that we just did? So when you said, hello, hello, that was easy, right? But then you said, scream it. And my body sort of like, it almost manifested into physical movements. I like twitched because I wanted to like scream it out, right? So I could imagine this works for positive and negative stuff as well, right? So imagine you're screaming negativity, like that probably manifests itself into some sort of, you know, body language or fidgetiness or something like nervousness, anxiety, whatever it may be. That was fascinating. I just wanted to tell you that because it was bizarre. Well, let me tell you, I had this moment the other day, my son was doing something and he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And this would go on on for like two minutes, three minutes, 10 minutes. And so now in my mind, I literally was screaming in my mind, like, why are you not doing what I asked you to? But because I've trained my brain to notice that, I caught it before it came out. And if you can train your brain to notice your thoughts, I'm telling you, you will save yourself a ton of heartache and apologies. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because like that situation with your child that you just mentioned, I was doing that this morning, I'm making breakfast. My kids are not being decisive about what they want. So like, I did not catch my thoughts and instead I'm slamming cupboards and getting all huffy and puffy so yeah yeah, so i need to use the stop shift for sure (laughs) honestly people do it and they don't even realize it (laughs) so talk about more about the shift part of it so okay we're aware of our thoughts you know screaming whatever it is in our mind whether it's positive or negative how do we notice and then make that shift and what does that stand for Mm -hmm. so shift stands for see hope intentions facts and then new thoughts Now, this framework is not a catch-all, but it covers most because in any given situation, you may focus on one or all of those to help point you in a more positive and productive manner, right? And so we'll say hope, for example. Why would we shift to hope? Well, a great example is when I lost my husband, right? When we feel distraught, when we feel like life is unfair, when we are overwhelmed by our current circumstance. Sometimes we need to look forward and have faith in the things that we can't see just to get through the grueling moment that we're in. So that's where hope comes into play. When it comes to intentions, I like to say that for the most part, (laughs) we are all good people, right? There's some people who make bad decisions, but we are all good people. And so when you think about that, what are our intentions or our core values? Usually they're wrapped up in things like love and peace and patience, right? And so those qualities, those values should be at the core of our actions and our words and how we show up in life. I mean, patience is a big one, right? We know this with parenting again, but it's applicable in the workplace. So when you're ever in a situation where your thoughts are taking you to a reaction that is possibly negative and you're silencing them, you can really check your intentions to say, wait, Am I showing up with patience or peace or goodness or love? Like, let me check myself before I jump into this situation, right? And always, if you can come back to those core values, it's going to help you choose. Now, that's not saying you're going to know exactly what to do, but it's going to help you get centered 
and find your calm before you decide what that action is going to be. And then facts is really important because a lot of times we respond whenever our thoughts are taking us in a negative space. We usually respond one of two ways, with emotions or from our ego. And so if we can set those things aside and look at the facts of the situation, then it does help us to make, again, a decision that is rooted in positivity and also meant to be productive. And a great example of this is sitting in a meeting with a group of folks and you're working on a project at work. And everybody has what? Their own opinions. They think they know what's right. But everybody is also working from a limited perspective. So if you can silence your ego in that moment, and if you can set those emotions to the side and look at the facts, which is that, yeah, some people are going to come with different options. Hey, their option may be good. Or do we even have enough time for us to, you know, build out what I'm suggesting here? If you can really just look at the facts, it'll help to clear your mind from that voice that's trying to dictate how you should jump in and make a better decision with what's the reality. And then all those things, whether you're shifting to, you know, hope or intentions or facts, what's that going to bring? New thoughts. You've silenced those ugly, sour, negative thoughts. You are shifting them by looking at any of these three things or others. And then you're going to find that you are experiencing new thoughts, which then ends up being, you know, new words, new habits, new decisions. And that's how you reshape your life. So this model is fantastic. I'm curious how you put it to practice because it sounds like in just the example you gave, it's all real time. How do you put this to practice mm-hmm. like instantaneous fashion? You know what I mean? It's not like you have time yeah. to like jot so, things down or even practice or anything. This is all happening in the moment. Right. But if you think about it, we have so many thoughts that run through our mind in a millisecond, right? So actually going through this is not as difficult as you think. Because it's not that you have to think, oh, should I focus on hope or should I focus on intentions or should I focus on facts? That's not what you're thinking. You're thinking I need to stop and I need to shift. And what would be the opposite Mm -hmm. of what I'm feeling right now? Hope, intentions and facts. Those are just really kind of the main or the core things that you're going to shift to to get to that new thought. But you're not running through that in your mind. When you say stop and shift, you will start to shift to what's opposite of what you're currently feeling, which if you're feeling something negative, the opposite will be positive. And then you just start to process, which by the way, we should be processing anyway. (laughs) We should be taking a beat before we're responding. And so it's just utilizing that space where you should create a pause. It's utilizing that space with a framework that's going to help your action be reflective of a positive or productive choice. I'm now envisioning like everybody in the workplace, like being able to use this model. And gosh, it sounds like a utopian environment. Like if everybody was doing this and they were thoughtful and they were able to shift their mind into a positive one. <laughs> but people a lot of times don't do that. So, you know, if we're talking about, you know, leaders providing tools like this to their people, like what's the best way to do that? Have you really thought about how organizations could support their people who struggle with mindset to, you know, practice this and perfect it? Yeah, so here's the thing. Stop and shift is one mental strength training exercise. It's one. There are so many different exercises that we should be using, and they're really just, you know, small choices throughout the day. 
Here's another example of an exercise somebody could do. You come out of a heated meeting and you run right back to your computer and you just start working on the next thing and your attitude yeah. feels like, well, yep. ugh, I'm still thinking about everything that I just went through and I don't, right? Here's an exercise. Go for a walk. Literally just go for a walk. Have a breather. Give yourself five or 10 minutes to process those thoughts and start to shift them into something that's going to be more productive. Don't take that energy yeah. from one meeting to an email or to the next meeting or the phone call that you have to make. Create some space by going for a walk, by practicing some breathing exercises that helps you to just recenter. Here's the thing. When we talk about mental health, a lot of times people think it is just mental illness. And yes, that is one audience when you are talking about mental health. But if you think about the majority of humans, we do not have ongoing mental illness issues. Now, I went through a space of depression, certainly after my husband died. People go through, you know, seasons of anxiety and so on and so forth. But that may not be your state of living, right? So when we think of mental health, I don't want people to only think of mental illness. I want them to think about mental strength training. How are we creating these spaces where people are allowed to process, where we are helping them to become more aware, where we are teaching them different exercises that will allow them to process their feelings and choose a different way, right? All of that falls into mental health. And so a great way for employers to help people is not just by introducing one mm -hmm. method like stop and shift, but it's cultivating a space where a lot of different exercises and techniques and topics are discussed and offered as resources to their people. And a great example of that is just next week, I'm actually going to speak at the Golf Channel. This is my third time being back with them because they <laughs> are like, they're really passionate about their people. And this time they've asked me to come and do a keynote to kick off their wellness week. Entire week that is giving them a ton of resources. And many times the wellness week, what seemingly focus on physical stuff like yoga or meditation, but that feeds your mental health too. <laughs> so it's like just giving a breadth of exercises and resources to your people so that they can start to apply that to their total well-being. You know what's really fascinating to me, Karen, is that I don't know if it's just maybe I have more awareness around it, but it seems like people are really willing to talk about either mindset or mental health, either in the workplace or as a society. Like what has changed that's made it safer to talk about it? Was it there's a stigma around it or, or is there more tools and resources or we know more about it? Like from your perspective, what's changed? You know, that's actually a really good question that I have been thinking about recently too. You know, I think up to this point, that there has been a stigma. And I know, you know, for me, not because of lack of love in the family, but we were just kind of all brought up to suppress the stuff mm -hmm. we don't want to face, you know? And so society as a whole, we have been brought up to suppress the stuff that we don't want to face. I'm not sure what's changed. I think what you're talking about and what I'm feeling is really yes. just a shift within the last two or three years. Yeah, but mindfulness and meditation and all like that's not new. You know, these were things that started to be introduced, at least in America, around like the late 80s. You know, I think of we have different methods that help you to process stress, right? A lot of it is tied to mindfulness and to meditation. And I remember watching this Netflix special called The Mind, and they were talking about the origin of this because, the you know, 
in Asia and in India and these places where Buddhism is practiced widely, like they've been into mindfulness and meditation for how long? Centuries, right? But the shift that's happening in America, especially in the last two to three years, I think is mostly to do with courage. I think that people are speaking out more. It's not that we haven't had these tools and these resources introduced to us, you know, only until recently. That's not true. They've been around. I just feel like I will go out on a limb and say this with the intensity of the division that's being created for different reasons, right? I think people are now wanting yes. to yep. be more connected to one another more than ever. And because of that, they're having the courage to speak out about things that we used to just suppress. And now that people are speaking out, we are finding more commonality. And that is what I think is creating a faster ripple effect in the last two to three years is that now that one person talks about it, oh, I can talk about it. I can accept it. I can find that. And now that's what you're seeing. Yeah. And it's funny because like, and this is just my own perspective, even in my workplace, it seems like people are more comfortable talking about it. So even just in regular conversation or, you know, the one-on-ones that I have with either my direct manager or my employees, it seems like we're having a lot of conversations around mental health, balance, stress, all those things that will help them become more happy and productive at work and more engaged ultimately. Mm-hmm. And I also think that what has helped these conversations to move forward more swiftly is there are people who are in the limelight who are being open about their challenges. And honestly, you know, whether you're a celebrity, an athlete, an entertainer, you know, a major author, what have you, if you are in the limelight in any way, shape or form, you are a voice for many. And so I think because we've seen that rise in just these people who so many Mm -hmm. idolize that they're actually human. I think that is helping others to accept that they are human too, right? People that they look up to. Yeah. I don't (laughs) know if you're a NBA sports fan or general, but Kevin Love, he plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers and he came out with an article probably say yeah. a year or so ago or the Players Tribune where players will you know write articles and talk about it. And he had a whole spotlight on mental health and all the struggles he went through. And to your point about celebrities and people who are in positions where they have such an audience to talk about it, it makes it safe for others to talk about it. And he translates that to the workplace. I think people in positions of leadership make it safe to have conversation around either this or whatever it may be, I think that just becomes ingrained in the culture. Absolutely. And I also think that, you know, before this was seen as a weakness, which is why people wouldn't want to talk about it. I felt that way five, six years ago when I was reentering the workplace. I didn't want to talk to anybody about my grief because I thought that they would see me as weak and incapable of handling my workload. And that wasn't true. You know, even though it would impact certain things, By that, I mean, like, I'm sitting there reading an email, and I have to read it again, and again, and again, because now it's taking me 10 minutes to read one email where before it wouldn't take me as long, but my mind was clouded with grief and anxiousness and all that other stuff. And so what I'm saying is that it does impact you, but it doesn't have to be seen as a weakness. And now that we are taking that stigma away, that is what's allowing room for more resources and tools to really, you know, meet the public where they are. Let's give people some more tools as we, you know, kind of make our way to the end of the podcast. Let's go back to you. So you've kind of probably trial and error shifted your mindset. You've probably done some different practices, whether it's meditation or the stop and shift method. 
what are some other things that you know you've done yourself that have actually worked or things that you've encouraged leaders or regular people individuals to do that's yes. actually helped them yes 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 so there are a ton of things that we can do i actually have this list it's called 51 mental strength exercises yes and please so do. i'll make sure i get that over to you if people want to download then they can and so there are really really simple things you can do here's an example of something i did right off the bat i stopped listening to anything that was negative Hmm. whether it was negative news, news or whether it was Twitter. like, what? yes, <laughs> or like watching scary movies, for example, oh. I wouldn't watch scary movies because it would make me feel anxious. And yeah. you know oh, yeah. how it makes you feel when you're watching a scary movie. So it's distancing yourself from things that don't feel good. That's one thing that I would say. And everybody can do that. You can take an inventory of the things that make you feel, you know, negative, sad, weighed down, depleted. And those are the things you need to start getting rid of. When you do that, you're making room for the goodness, right? Another thing is to do a digital detox. That's another download that I'll send over to you. I created this five- no. Who's <laughs> yeah. gonna do that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I did was I broke it down into five days. Yeah. So you can do a five-day digital detox that just helps to give you some space from your devices and from social media, because we are so on with these things that we are not giving space to reflect inward. And what happens is, remember, we talked earlier about stop and shift. And you said, well, how do we break this down in real time? Doing little things like distancing ourselves from distractions and spending time looking at our thoughts, focusing on our thoughts and sitting in stillness helps you to then stop and shift a lot quicker, right? So if you can practice focusing and training your brain on a day-to-day -day basis, for example, when you're in the shower, pay attention to your thoughts. That's where <laughs> everybody's mind goes wild, right? Just listen to those thoughts, pay attention to them. It doesn't mean you have to own them. You should be watching them float by like bubbles, right? And so focusing on your thoughts in different ways is a great way to strengthen your mind. Talking to someone like when you feel really awkward and you don't want to talk to anybody, that's when you should talk to somebody. That's exactly when you should reach out. And because connection also helps you to feel like, okay, I can get through this. Okay. I'm not alone. When we isolate, then that's when we start to have more negative thoughts, right? So if you can open up about what you're feeling and talk to somebody, then that helps to create the support system that we need. As you mentioned before, meditation is great. Download Headspace or Calm. You know, they give great meditation exercises, yeah. breathing exercises that are less than 10 minutes. It doesn't take much. And here's one, because I know you'll love this. Take a day off work. Oh, you think I'd like that? No, I'd love working. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I was, yeah. But I don't know if your listeners know, you were able to take a sabbatical. What was that experience like for you, that time away from work? Uh, it was bizarre because it took me probably three, four days to settle in because I was so used to just being connected all the time. But then once I disconnected, I had so much time and everything slowed down for me. And to your point, you know, I was able to focus on my thoughts, obviously spend time with my family and do things that I normally wouldn't do. So I got to focus on myself and my well-being and all that stuff. And then when you came back, how did you feel? Oh, I was like, why do I worry about shit that doesn't even matter? See? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny like you just come now with you a, have a healthier perspective i do until you probably get back into it and i think it's a problem a lot of people you know probably find themselves in is they might be able to shift their mindset you know like i was able to but 
as soon as you let that go and you get back into it without recognizing where you're at, like it's easy to get sucked back in. And that's why we have to retrain our brain, right? You have to do little things, small habits throughout each day, even taking five minutes between meetings to have a break and breathe. That is training your brain. Neuroplasticity helps you to create new grooves in your brain, and those are new habits. Right now, we are habitually attached to work. We need to flip that and retrain our brain so that we are not as attached because that is constant depletion and find those ways where we are pouring back into ourselves and that's where we would get back to balance. Decluttering your space, that's another Mm -hmm. thing you can do. You know, people think, what does that have to do with your mindset? Because if you have a lot of stuff around you, I don't know if you've ever been in a hoarder's house. (laughs) I haven't, but when I watch it on TV, I'm like, I'm anxious right now. I feel overwhelmed, (laughs) right? Decluttering your space also helps to create mental space in your brain. So there are a ton of things. I mean, again, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but I'll definitely get over that download for you because I think where people would be surprised is that there are so many opportunities throughout our day to train our brain to be focused and calm. That is the goal of mindfulness is to have a focused and a calm brain. When you have that, then you are going to be able to manage stress. You're going to be able to navigate hardships and you're just going to make better decisions, which ultimately creates a healthier quality of life. The same way we take care of our physical well-being, I want people to do better at taking care of their mental well-being. I got to add something to your list because it's so fresh in my mind. And maybe this is actually on your overall list. So I just finished reading a book called Why We Sleep. And maybe you've either been familiar with it or maybe read it. But holy moly, this thing, it was so eye-opening. I didn't realize how important sleep was, how it alters our mood, allows us to be productive. It changes our eating habits, whether or not we get a minimal amount of sleep or a lot, fights off disease Mm -hmm. and all sorts of stuff. So one thing I realized from that book is like, I cannot do the six hours or under amount of sleep per night. Like I will probably go four or five days a week getting under six hours of sleep. And this doctor lays it out in this book that like you need seven to eight hours to be truly healthy. And I think that alters your brain. I mean, he had all the science in there. And to me, like that's probably got to be the foundation to all the stuff that you're talking about as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the reasons that I love Thrive Global, which is Ariana Huffington's initiative there. I mean, I contribute to them and their newsletter But what's so awesome is that she literally started this entire new phase of her career and her life because she was sleep deprived when she was running the Huffington Post and passed out in her office. And when that happened and she woke up having hit her head on her glass desk, she decided, no, I cannot live like this anymore and decided to step away from the Huffington Post, started Thrive Global. And I don't know if you subscribe to her newsletter, but it is amazing. And they talk about total well-being, but this all started because she was sleep deprived. She was working her tail off. She had built this amazing business, but she had done it at the expense of her health. And so now she has this initiative that it's not just a newsletter. I mean, they go in and they do different trainings and they offer so many different resources to employers to help their people care for their total well-being. Because to your point, Sleep is a really big deal, but there are also other areas of our total well-being that need attention, 
that need healthy habits so that we can all be our best self. So I personally believe like in the morning is like the best way to start the day. Like especially if you're making the right decisions, it could change the way your day is going to go. You have this great article on your website about five healthy habits in the morning. What are some of your favorites from that? Yeah, so one is stretching. <laughs> we were talking about like as we get older, things don't work the same way they do. But really stretching helps to get your body and everything that it takes for your body and your brain to function properly. It helps to get all those juices flowing, right? So that's a good one. Also, not hitting snooze on my alarm helps a lot. And my son has picked up this habit too. We both notice that when we hit snooze, we are dragging and dragging. But when you get up and, you know, I used to do this too. I would set my alarm 30 minutes ahead of when I actually needed to get up. So I knew I could snooze, I could snooze, I could snooze. But that sets the tone for your day. And then another one is listening to something positive. So on my way to school with my son, you know, we'll listen to either uplifting music or, you know, I'll turn on Joel Osteen or a motivational video. He loves watching motivational videos on YouTube. But I just listen to something that's going to fuel me with the energy and intent that I want to carry throughout my day. What do you say to people, and this kind of shifting a little bit, what do you say to people who tend to carry around the weight of other people's issues? And what I really mean by that is, you know, a lot of people are so sucked into the news and what's going on worldwide that, you know, it's hard not to take that in and be stressed out and sad for what's going on. Or even people at work, maybe they're going through a hard time, but yet, you know, maybe I absorb that and, you know, have stress and anxiety and all these other things. Like, what are some ways to shift out of that? Yeah. So, you know, actually this month in my members community, Soul Care, we're talking about get over it. There are just some things you got to get over. You cannot carry. And maybe the way to start with that and deciding like, am I carrying something is your perspective. News is a great example of this. We will see a lot of disheartening stories that will invoke fear or a lot of sadness or grief, mm -hmm. you know, or empathy for others. And so what happens is we get so consumed with that, that then we start to apply those feelings to our life. A way for you to shift that is to focus on gratitude, right? Gratitude helps to shift your perspective. A lot of times when we focus on things that are either fearful or things that we don't have, that's what starts to drag us down. But when you focus on things that you do have or things that have gone well, then that helps to shift your perspective to be more positive. And that's not saying that you are naive about, you know, some of these really terrible things that happen, but you are not letting those experiences dictate how you are showing up in life. You are only responsible for yourself. You are not responsible for other people. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want people to feel like, okay, if I should do that and it's going to close off my empathy, that's not true. Because again, we're talking about training your brain. And the more you train your brain, the more you will be able to move through those natural human emotions and then get to your center, get to your calm, focus your mind on the things that are going to help you be productive and move forward. So that's what it means to kind of in both of those spaces and not numb out those things that are real tragedies. I love that. Karen, this has been so much fun. Honestly, I could just keep talking to you for a long time. You're so positive. Same. I love talking I know, with you. Like, and we got to go. But one thing I wanted to tell people, because I follow you on Instagram, we've become, you know, pretty good friends from digitally, yeah. I guess you could say. 
but you're so positive and I love following you there. And I don't know if that's where you're kind of your main focus is just where people yeah, to follow I love you. Instagram. But yeah. <laughs> you just have so many awesome things throughout the day. And if we're truly talking about shifting our mindset from negativity and fear, follow Karen on Instagram. <laughs> She's the best. <laughs> thanks. Where else thanks. do people learn more about you and, you know, other things that you're doing? Definitely hop over to my website, KarenMillsap.com with two L's, because I have a ton of resources there. And when you subscribe to my mailing list, every week I'm putting out something that it's a story, you know, personally, it's tools. It's like a good book, a fun song, like a moment in life. I just want to put as much light into people's lives as possible. And so my weekly newsletter is a great way to also get some resources at your fingertips. But yeah, Instagram is where I love to live. It's a place where you get to curate what you see, you know? And so I follow positive people and people who are putting good into this world. And if you're looking for that, definitely feel free to follow me because that's my mission. I love it. Karen, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You are amazing. Well, thanks for having me again and bringing this conversation to so many people. I appreciate that. 